For most of us, the arrival of COVID-19 put a huge roadblock in the plans we had three years ago. For my guest today, it was a second chance at the dream she had when she was nine years old. Sarah Lavin is one of Ireland's most exciting athletic prospects, having competed in the Tokyo Olympics, the World Indoor and Outdoor Championships, and clocked times she thought were impossible before the arrival of coronavirus. I had the chance to talk to her this week while she trained in Tenerife about the twists and turns and hurdles in her hurdling career, the road to the top of Irish athletics, the role of her parents and fate and an awful lot more. It's the Sarah Lavin episode of An Irishman Abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Sarah Lavin. Absolutely brilliant to have you on the Irishman abroad. You're in the Canaries while we're all freezing our arses off in Ireland. <laughs> Tell me this. Do you believe that the reason why Ireland hasn't produced more world class speed athletes is the weather? <laughs> <laughs> I hate to I hate to say it, but you know what? The first I was out here maybe three days and I rang my coach and I was like, you know, I just like everything, like I was, everything's just free or slowing and you, you are actually hopping off the track and I just literally went here and I was like, you know what, there's a lot to be said for moving to the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm not, you, you say that joking, but honestly, oh. you listen to, you like, you look at the stronghold, I guess like in Ireland, it's so cold and miserable so often. <laughs> you just get on with it. You don't, mm. you know, we slog through work as yeah. a sprinter. You have luxury of like taking a few minutes in between every, you almost get like, <laughs> get it like two minutes every two minutes for every 10 meters you run. <laughs> mm, but that's an awful lot more standing around in the cold, right? Yes, exactly. So, like that's, that's the impact of it, that you're trying to stay up. You're trying to stay warm and bouncy. And yeah, Ireland, each and every time <laughs> Ireland grabs you and goes, no, uh, you, you need to be wearing gloves. <laughs> uh, so training over there is so much easier. Uh, but, yeah, the quality, I guess, is higher. You know, it's um, and like, don't get me wrong, the aerobic stuff is can be quite tricky out here because it's mo like it's quite easy to breathe in the Irish air. If you get me, you know, you're not like mm. you know yourself if you're going for a run in the summertime, yeah. you come back drowned like from sometimes. <laughs> but the but the sweet the speed stuff and like the which is really the basics of hurdling. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier out here. That being said, like, you do start to miss home a bit, like week three now. <laughs> and, you know, you're, I, I say that now and I'll be home Sunday morning and I'll get one smack of reality, I'm sure. Well, look, there is, there is also a part of you that I guess kind of has to say, I miss home. There is a certain... <laughs> 
<laughs> isn't there? There's a certain thing. Like I know from living away that you kind of yeah. can't go all England's brilliant. <laughs> so people go, well, why don't you just yeah, live there forever? for him now, isn't he? He's gone off to England, got notions for himself. Well, look, it is a, it is a point, right, that yeah. uh, it, we have this tie to home and yeah. it's nearly insulting to the people that are there <laughs> to say I'm having a blast uh, away from all you guys. But when you're when you're training at the level you are, it is about comfort. It is about controlling the controllables, to use that cliche. Uh, but I guess it is about making life as easy, stress free yeah. as possible so that you can just focus on this thing. How much of it is that and how much of it is uh, something else that we don't know about? Well, you know, it's easy. Like it's, it's just so easy. There's physically nothing else to do every day. So you're, you're just getting up, you're eating, you're going to the track, coming back for a nap, going back to the gym in the evenings and then eating again <laughs> and then going to bed. And it's not like, I guess it's more so like the no distractions, which is great even like, I know this sounds so selfish and <laughs> my family listen to this, but like even just someone asking for a lift somewhere or something, you know, those little things mm, that like you. That eat up your day. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like as, as an athlete, you, you're, you're so selfish at times, you know, and it's so easy when you're removed from everything but training, I guess, mm. to, to do everything right, you know. And, and to me, the most important thing as an athlete is to be happy. And obviously it's, really easy to be happy in sunshine and you know we're all that little bit happier but there does come a time like I, I would find it difficult I think to base myself fully here purely mm. because I need my people do you know what I mean um, my people are such a source of happiness mm. to me that <laughs> anything over three weeks yeah. I, I need them back <laughs> can do sure, them sure. But, uh, but like <laughs> when you're locking in when you're zeroing in on something big I'd I can really see the point of getting the hell out of those distractions and anybody yeah. who has a, a target based job will will also concur with that they'll they'll understand your journey though in athletics begins at the age of seven playing red rover in the yard at school <laughs> gosh where did you read that <laughs> when you realized you were no longer an easy target <laughs> can you explain this because this is this is essentially the discovery of your own speed and your own athleticism <laughs> at the age of seven. Yeah, I'm not sure if it, like, was I just a very nervous kid, but like out in the yard, you know, if you were, when you were playing those games, I used to get very anxious that, you know, because there was a moment of, you remember playing Red Rover, hmm. where like all eyes were on you, like you basically, you were getting called over because that other team thought like, hey, this is a uh, open season. You know, yeah, easy. Yeah, open season. Exactly. <laughs> and it's in front of the whole like you think back now, I don't even know do kids still play it. But it's cruel. <laughs> and uh, the 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 biggest trick of the whole thing, like, was to get the many more more people onto your side. But like it was it was awful, but kids are so pure, you know, and they always pick the easy targets first, just purely for numbers. Hmm. I was always one of the last picked or definitely probably the last girl. A few boys will get called out before me. <laughs> I think it's so funny that that this yeah. is this is it for you. That actually there isn't a PE class like we had Vinnie Mulvey yeah. on recently, who did the bleep test and realised I can keep going in the bleep test like <laughs> six times more than anybody in this class. Like the PE class ended, 
and he was still going. For you, it's British Bulldog. <laughs> British Bulldog. <laughs> so aggressive. British most non-aggressive girl you'll ever come yeah. but, but there's um, a there's a ruthlessness to Irish school sports at that time. Yeah. I can't really speak for it now. Our little boy's 12 and, you know, taking part in cross country. But there doesn't seem to be that same kind of ruthlessness that you've described at the under nines level when you go and win the All-Irelands. At yeah. what distance were, was it? Is 60 metres and 200, was it? Exactly, 60 and 200. I think the 200 was actually the long distance race back then. Wow. Uh, yeah, but I think they actually scrapped that whole underage system and made it more kind of like a team system. So you needed a pair mm. to participate. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know do I agree or disagree with it. Do you know, I'd, it didn't do me any harm. Mm. But, <laughs> but it was, it was cutthroat. It was very cutthroat, yeah. Yeah, I think... It's difficult to know whether it should or shouldn't exist. Um, and I guess community games, it probably does still exist to some degree. You know, that like level of only your best in the county goes and competes against every, the best in every county, you know. But um, mm. yeah, yeah, I guess there was, is a place for it at some point. You are going to need to to cut. You the have top. to realize, yeah. you know, and, and ultimately, like oh, participation is so, so important. Um, but also it's you know, acknowledging the kids that are those super performers because it doesn't do them any justice by say participation doesn't fuel them and it won't mm. keep them in the sport if they're not getting their kick. If that's how they're they're mentally um you know, driven and if mm. that you know, if that's how they're they, they, if that's where they get their kicks basically, you know, yeah. is in those high pressure situations. Um so there's definitely an argument for both. I used to like lose sleep. I'd say the under ten, eleven 12 of all islands were the most stressful nights really? I've ever had for any competition. Wow. Wow. Well, oh. I guess it's because you aren't rehearsed in it at that point. Uh, yeah. But even I suppose like I remember like there was other kids' parents that would come up to me. I remember being like 11 and a kid's parents saying you didn't be like it was the All-Ireland. So, you know, it, like I think we meet like 16 or 20 kids in the whole country met it to the All-Irelands in each event. Hmm. I remember a parent coming over and being like, geez, they're getting closer to you. And like just the pressure, it became like not even winning him and like was I, you know, could how much could I win by, you know, and it was just it's too much to heap on kids because mm. it's so far from from the reality of the top level of sport. Like you've so, so far to come and you're better off learning the the, the elements of work ethic and, you know, and, and enjoyment. And en enjoyment, exactly. I mean, we can talk about the fun of these things and the fun of these sports. But for you to surrender and sacrifice so much of your life for sport, that hit that you get from winning at under nines and being told you're the best in the country. Yeah. I mean, how intense is that? Oh, it's so intense. Like, gosh, it must have been an absolute pain of a child. <laughs> <laughs> so intense. But like, it wasn't, it didn't just, like stop there you know like it, it was like did I get all my spellings right did I get my maths challenge did I get my 10 out of 10 like I didn't didn't have an off switch dress. really yeah <laughs> but, I've heard you talk but, about like, this perfectionism being a bit of a curse at the time yeah but like I got like winning was fun to me you know what I mean and being the best was fun and that's awful to say that but that's that was a comic kick you know what I mean mm. and maybe if there was something else that was as black and white as running you know it's so it's so objective mm. you win or you don't yeah you the time is the time yeah the time is the time 
there's no, it's not a, like a team or, you know, where you thought you should have got more time on the yeah, pitch. Or the right? ref robbed us. Yeah. <clears throat> the, you know, it's, the, there is physically like, it's what happens on the track happens on the track, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's probably why it was like almost maths. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's right or it's wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I must have been an absolute pain of a child. <laughs> yeah, but it's attractive, isn't it? The the, the justice of it. Like, uh, like yeah. even, even in comparison to maths, like the, the questions mightn't come up on the leaving cert. But when it yeah. comes to the track, it is it's the place of the control freak, isn't it? The, yes. the, yeah. You, yeah. You, yeah. You're in charge. And ultimately, yeah. the, the blame lies with you and all the praise lies with you outside of the coaches who we'll obviously talk about but the your first coaches are your folks right your parents uh yeah. your your dad and your mom were very very keen not to be seen as the slave driving parents you were the one pushing them to take you to the track absolutely yeah on every holiday on every everything you know and yeah, it's funny. I actually work there the only time I never. So we used to go to cross country. I hated cross country. I absolutely despised it. But every year you could go to Mosney for cross country. And that meant like a weekend away, like at what, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, like heaven, you know. Mm. Um, and there was three nights, the, sun, the Friday, the Saturday and Sunday, got the bus off, the independence of it, the living in all of that and so I used to do cross country but I, I used to do the Limericks no problem you know and, and get on with it I was so it used to make me like I used to actually physically cry like on the line and then once I ran it, it would be fine but when I got to Mosnia each year I used to I'm not going to say pull a sickie on this on the Saturday <laughs> oh, 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 oh. this is an exclusive right here this is a bit of a this is a bit of a <laughs> I used to be physically ill like okay. ill okay first, like, well, that's different yeah, and to the point where, like, I would, I, I, I would just like, I can't, I can't do this. And my dad would have always been like, "That's okay if you want to do that." My mom, I, it's the only time she would have, would have kind of stepped in. Is what I would say mm. was those times. And she, like, she's because it was a relay. It was like a. She was like, "There's no way you're leaving those other girls down." I'd be like, I'd beg her, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. And she was like, "There, you knew what you were signing up to." And this why, went on. why did you hate it so much? I used to just get so nervous. The pit, like endurance to me, it was only 800 meters as well. <laughs> oh my God. I was picturing 5 and 10K. kilometers. <laughs> Literally 800 meters. 800 meters. Yeah. And oh, I used to, that, it used to send me off. I don't even know if I even run the 800. There was an, a 600 leg and an 800 leg. And I think I actually ran the 600 leg. <laughs> and he used to set me off. When, but when, when, like I'd, I'd come in for the, the final on the Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was always, but it, yeah, that was the only time if anyone ever witnessed um, my poor mom in action trying to make me a better. And that wasn't a pushy parent. That was more so like the the personal principle of don't sign up for something if you're going to let other people down. Yeah, you know, and see it through. That, yeah. Yes, and and that's what she was teaching me there. It was nothing got to do. She couldn't have cared if I ran, you know what, you know about the race. It was more so the don't say you're going to do something if you're not going to do it for others. Yeah. Well, so. it, you know, it is fascinating to hear the aversion 
to endurance and it's it's come up a <laughs> it's come up a few times uh, in interviews that you've done around your hatred of long distance running i'm just um, not meant for it i'm really just not meant for it <laughs> in, in what sense though like obviously physically you've you know coerced your body to be a speed a machine speed. um yeah. is it is it a mental thing too it's do you know what i actually I'm actually not that bad at it, <laughs> which causes me when I'm training in aerobic training, like so we'd have one or two sessions a week, which are just puffers. Like, but I, I'm actually I'm probably my natural event would probably have been about 400 hurdles, but I put myself in so much pain, Jared. That's that's the overriding issue, right. <laughs> to be honest with you, and that's my aversion to it. It's so uncomfortable, you know, and then where to me to me sprinting is so like it don't get me wrong it's re- lactic sessions are really really difficult but like it's a different type of pain in aerobic stuff you're kind of like i'm only doing this is only filler to get the, the speed out of the speeding you know the lactic i produced yesterday from the speed work <laughs> yeah but like we talk about it all the time on the on the sonia show about building aerobic base you obviously need to do a certain amount of it to be you fast do. you do and it's more so even like there's there's different ways like for me i i can build muscle quite quickly in the gym but too much muscle isn't isn't useful either so it's kind of like i have to be able to use it if that you know i have to be mobile enough i guess mm. um so we're constantly playing like at, you know out of it there and pull it pull it band, get it run around run it off her almost mm. um and then like even just uh, after two really hard days of speed or speed endurance it's like the the best thing is to kind of have like aerobic sessions that um you you can kind of flush the legs um and it 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 does really work you know like mm-hmm. all my monitors and stuff unfortunately it was it, it does work yeah. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> it's the case the yeah. all that doesn't lie yeah. <laughs> so well, like within an endurance event there's, there's a much greater margin for error than the event that you've chosen. The hurdles must make an appearance in your life at a certain point. Do you remember when people stopped going, you, you should just run as fast as you can and said, maybe, you, maybe you'd be better jumping over these things? I actually had this discussion with my coach, Noel, um, only very, very recently. And I said, you know, how, what can you actually remember the first day I went over a hurdle? Um, because she used to actually, we she, at training, you know, all the kids, she every so often she'd bring out the hurdles and every kid would kind of run over them. And she used to say, you, you jump like a horse. Like, that was literally her words. Like, you jump like a horse. Stop jumping like a horse. You jump like a ballerina. Like, this was what was, <laughs> was thrown out. And then she said there was one girl at the training track. Like, and again, this just comes down to, like, my competitive, <laughs> I don't know what it is, messed up, internal, <clears throat> whatever. Yeah. Um. They, yeah, one of the girls that was just ahead of me, we, we were the same age, went over and um, you know, Noelle said, gosh, Laura, you really have excellent technique. You know, did you think of doing the hurdles? Of course, obviously, she did it the right way. You know, she had a lead leg and trail leg. She didn't just jump up like a show jumping home pony. Like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And, and she said, like, she, she could remember it so vividly. She was like, it was like as if like something within me was like, 
huh? Like, how dare that girl? Like, how how can somebody do something? How come Noelle isn't going to say that to me? And she said it was like as if a penny dropped. And then she was like, okay, Sarah, you know, when we do the monsters the, in two weeks' time. And so I did the monsters, literally. But that it was literally just that, like, that girl can Wow, literally do that. somebody else getting yeah. praise yeah. is the reason. Isn't that so, isn't that so messed up? <laughs> yeah, well, look, it's, it's also the reason why athletes and sports people can emerge from large families, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm yeah. going to beat my older brother. You and had that experience way, of beating your father at the age of 13 for the first time. <laughs> you got the sense that when you were running against your dad, that he was he wasn't kind of letting you win. But you, no, you yeah, did he, you he know this day that I felt like he wasn't like flat out is what I'd say. Do you know that he was kind of do you know what he used to do? Actually, he used to kind of say like towards the last five, ten meters, he'd be like, come on, come on, come on. I was saying to myself, if this guy, if this guy is flat out, there's no way he's able to, <laughs> to say, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I remember it. That's actually probably how I knew I knew it at 13 was because there was no, there was no, come on, come on, come on. He just started laughing. He, he like was just laughing because he was just like, wow, yeah. you know, and uh, he was, uh, was quite fit, you know, he was fit, young. Uh, yeah, well, that was what I was going to ask next was like, he's, it took until the age of 13 to beat your dad. I mean, there are other people who are going, I could beat my dad now. I'm seven. <laughs> I don't know if I could outrun my son at this point. He's 12. But, you know, it is a moment, is it not? I mean, yeah. he's a grown man and yeah. you're covering and some so, some ground. And so when you, you know, you look up to your parents so much, you know, as, you know, as a kid, they're the best at everything in your eyes. You yeah. know what I mean? So um, and they're able to do everything. So, you know, I think that was that. Yeah, well, it probably was. Yeah, it was just I, I just that was literally how I knew I had actually beaten him was the fact that he wasn't. Chapman. He started laughing after it and he wasn't giving me any encouragement and he just shook his head. <laughs> well, like, the reason why I bring up your parents again is because there is a drop off. Our country has a problem here, right, with yeah. that age group and that particular time where, I mean, everyone's an athlete up to the age of 12. It's kind of beautiful time in yeah. young Irish life that everyone's a comedian, everyone's an actor and the girls <laughs> take part in everything. And, yeah. you know, we all have our sports. And then yeah. it's like alcohol kind of just permeates everything. And certainly I remember witnessing the drop off and being really disheartened by it. I managed to avoid alcohol until about the age of 18. And, and I did I, I, like that was a miracle. And I was such a dry <laughs> shite for doing that. <laughs> I know, I know. The abuse. I, you, I know. You, 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 you've said before that you didn't have any desire to be one of the popular girls. Why do you think that was? Um, I think I had such strong identity from such a young age as, as an athlete. And I also think it possibly comes back to parenting and to my coach Noelle that you know I had a high self-worth at a young age you know and a high kind of efficacy within myself to know kind of feel that what I was doing not everyone could do mm. you know and, and it was I could go they had belief in me you know people around me had belief in me and I think having belief in kids 
whether you're a coach or a parent and you know encouraging them to follow their dreams as bizarre as wild as they might seem is what gives kids that belief within themselves you know and, and because we're all sponges you know we, we become what we're surrounded by and and when you're surrounded by people who believe in you you believe in you start to believe in it you know and I think that's possibly how I how I avoided that or I had that in a comp but don't get me wrong like you know I was same as any teenage girl you know everyone is insecure at times everyone has good days bad days in school all those things but um sport to me was it was a huge purpose within my life yeah yeah I mean I think you're extremely lucky and we you, you know we are privileged I am coming from a privileged position myself where you know, so many kids struggle to find that that belief yeah. I mean some of it is the dog and the fight in the dog and the dog in the fight yeah. stuff like do you like you have to have especially in your particular event the dog is what they refer to it as in basketball is like is the dog in there like uh, as in when you got that heard that person getting that praise you were like fuck this <laughs> like <laughs> you know you're very you know fun to talk to and you know giggly here but there has yeah. to be a fuck this in there sarah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not seeing it right now you can't see it you have to <laughs> when does but it come out and when, when did you like first make contact with the you know the inner competitive animal that is you oh i, I genuinely would say seven like i like you know and i think it's underestimated by a lot of people but i think i'm quite obviously i'm on me i'm saying on or off the track but it's very important to me to be the person I want to be, you know, off the track because the ruthlessness doesn't, isn't required in daily life. <laughs> it's just simply not, you know, <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't I'm going to beat this person to this line. <laughs> like, like every time I go to the supermarket, I'm not like targeting like my next victim. <laughs> it would be absurd. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not know, needed. Yeah. It's not needed. So, um, yeah, I think, I I don't want to be that in my everyday life. I, I don't want to be that person. Like I I know it's it's value on on the track and in certain moments in training and where you have to go to that dark place of training and all of those but they're temporary moments, you know, and there's twenty two, twenty three twenty other hours in the day, you know, <laughs> that mm. you're a lot more of the person you are in those twenty hours than you are, say, when you're just on the track. Um so yeah, I think I think that's what's. <laughs> it, probably, it has always been there, though. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like between uh, back to the spelling test and the maths challenge, like if there was an opportunity to be competitive. Like I was there. Yeah, but it, but it is a different approach to many of your rivals and many sports people that we hold up as great. The Sonyas, AP McCoys of this world, the Roy Keens, and uh, you know, well, Michael Jordan in the Last Dance. We we saw the opposite to your approach. His was, I'm going to be competitive in flicking coins. Uh, I can't turn it off or I'll lose the edge of it. Do you find it difficult to switch it on and switch it off or certainly to reconnect with it after, say, your month off in September, October? Um, no, I don't find it difficult at all. To me, I guess, when I watched, say, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, <clears throat> it wasn't like... 
I'm still competitive. You know, it's not that I don't outside in my outside life. I'm just not. I just don't have that like ruthlessness. But I'm mm. still very competitive. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that I, I think for me, it's more so what impressed me. I guess about all of those people, it, and particularly say Michael Jordan in the last dance was his ability to be present in everything he's, he he does. Yeah, you know, and in that, practice that too. Is, yeah, yeah, that to me is one of the biggest secrets to life you know in happiness is just no matter where you are and what you're doing whether you're having a cup of coffee having lunch with your friends lying on the couch with your dog that you're there that you're 110 percent there you know you saw him in the casino or on the golf course he was fully where he was or you know and and whether it was you know lying on the couch he absolutely was lying on the couch he wasn't trying to do something else or wishing to be somewhere else and i think that's the trait that potentially us as a generation have lost slightly because of social media and um, because there's so much out there happening at mm. every different point. And mm. it's almost like being happy with where you are and, and what you're doing and, and, and being fully there. I think that's, that's the trait because that means when you go to the gym, I will you like to track your entire, everything is there and, and you give a lot more of yourself. Yeah. I mean, we need to put it on a T-shirt or bring it into schools, what you just said. But it did make me wonder, do you talk to kids about that? Because that does sound like, you know, the two screening problem, essentially, of their lives. That those that are going to track sessions to get selfies and <laughs> are like, are not, as you say, 100% in the moment. Yeah, you, you're happier when you're entirely accepted of where you are. Um and it's not saying that, like, it's not where you want to be. Maybe you want to be somewhere else, but it's like, that's obviously was not an available opportunity at that given time. <laughs> like, I'd love to be in <laughs> the Bahamas right now, as opposed to the Canaries, but... <laughs> to hear the second half of my conversation with Sarah Lavin, come on over and join Irishman Abroad Premium on patreon.com forward slash Abroad. You won't regret it. It's very simple. It's just a couple of clicks. You get a little link. You paste that into your podcast app or you listen to them on Patreon and you've access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of interviews with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived, including Sarah, of course. In the second half of this chat, we go all manner of different directions, including, as I say, that journey through COVID where she was told the Olympics were out of reach and not an option for the news drops that you're getting a second chance at this. And when she puts the head down to work and get there, it's rocky stuff. You need to hear the rest of this conversation, including stuff on visualization, nutrition, and the mad thoughts that go through your head when you're on the start line of a world championships. You need to hear it on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. <laughs>